Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look behind what is in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories and the culture and the history behind the wine, and we definitely like to drink a little wine while we're doing it. I'm Gina Birch. And I'm Julie Glenn. We also like to keep up on current events, and in the middle of all the crazy things that are going on in the world, the subject of wine tariffs Mm. is making headlines once again. And while it might seem, I don't know, maybe trivial to some in light of, as you said, Julie, all the other crazy things that we're all dealing with in our country and in our world right now. It is another one of those things that could potentially hurt Americans in the wallet, especially ones who've already been hurt and hit hard, like restaurateurs and bar owners and, you know, those folks in that business. Importers, distributors, Mm -hmm. all the way up the chain. Last week, the U.S. Trade Representative's Office started allowing public comments on the Trump administration's 25 percent tariff on European wines. The administration plans to revisit that tariff later this summer. Comments from the U.S. wine world will likely pour in. Mm -hmm. See what I did there? Yeah, that's good. You're smart. Pour it in there like a decanter. You should be a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my my least favorite is when a sommelier takes the bottle and just like carelessly just goes, dunk, and it's like thunk, 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 yeah. you know, just completely upside down. Yeah. So I really don't like when they do that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's it's technique. You don't like that technique. It's <laughs> Not all my fave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Feels disrespectful. Yes. But, you know, there are a couple of, of tariff threats out there. And last time we talked about them, there was a possible 100% tariff on sparkling wines in particular, which hurt me in the gut, and a few other unusual and potentially slapped with a whopping 100% tariff, like uh, weird things like, it's not weird, but in, in comparison, enameled bakeware, porcelain, and things that are totally unrelated to the wine culture. And I think that might have been tabled, but that was just the weirdest collection of stuff, like all in one thing. And then, oh, and 100% on sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that one was tabled, but it hasn't completely gone away. So it gets a little confusing. But here to help sort it out is Ben Aniff. He is the president of the U.S. Wide Trade Alliance and owner of a wine shop in Manhattan. Ben, thanks so much for talking with us today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Tell me a little about the U.S. Wide Trade Alliance. Is this a group that was formed in response to these tariff threats? That's exactly right. Most of the wine trade advocacy organizations uh, operate in one of the tiers. You know, there's an organization for wholesalers. There's an organization for retailers an organization for importers, but there became an understanding pretty quickly that we needed an expansive organization across the entire U.S. wine industry uh, for the purpose of fighting these tariffs together as one force. And that's how the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance came into effect. I'm wondering who is involved. Do you have any uh, some of the big players, like the large multi-state distributors? Have they joined in, or are they staying mum? Oh, absolutely. I mean, without a doubt, the you know wine distributors are some of the companies that stand the most to lose. Although I'll tell you, in general, uh, wine tariffs are devastating to small businesses. That's one of the problems with putting tariffs on wine is that they do significantly more damage to U.S. businesses than they do to their targets overseas. Uh, it's even much more harmful to companies in the U.S. than manufacturers in the EU, for instance. But, yes, we have large distributors, anything from, you know, 
the biggest brands that you know through small mom-and-pop importers to retailers to restaurants to U.S. domestic producers, really uh, a big swath of the wine industry. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, why are we even, why did this even happen to begin with? And if I uh, can put this uh, as, as dumb it down as much as possible, make it simple, it was, I think, uh, meant to punish Europe, Europe, and it's basically backfired, like you said, on the small businesses, because uh, I believe I saw a, 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 a number somewhere, there was 47,000 independent wine retailers and over 6,500 small distributors uh, that this would affect, and that that is a trickle down to the rest of us. Oh, that's absolutely right. And so the current tariffs on wine, uh, there's 25% tariffs on most still wine from France, Spain, Germany, and the UK. Those are, and those are involved with a WTO award against Europe for the illegal subsidies to Airbus, the large civil aircraft manufacturer. Mm. So the U.S. was awarded essentially $7.5 billion a year in tariffs that they can apply to European goods if Europe continues to illegally subsidize Airbus. So one of the products that the U.S. trade representative decided to tariff were these series of European wines. Interestingly, the tariffs on wines are 25%, where the tariffs on Airbus itself is only 15% Hmm. for reasons that confuse a wide range of people. Uh, And the real issue with putting tariffs on imported wine is that our business, as you probably know, uh, is regulated to a degree that no one else can really compete with. Because of the way prohibition was repealed, the 21st Amendment, it sets up this situation where each state heavily regulates the sale and distribution of alcohol. And there's an anecdote I I say sometimes that sort of helps articulate this. You know, you could walk into a Chanel store in Dallas, and you could be buying something from a French retail store. The distribution can be French. The manufacturer can be French. You could walk into a Zara in Cleveland, and you could be walking into an EU-owned retail store. The distribution can be EU-owned. The manufacturer can be EU-owned. You cannot do that in the wine world because of the way prohibition was repealed. There's no such thing as a Dom Perignon wine store. Oh, my gosh. Can you you imagine? Oh. I mean, when you want to go buy a bottle of wine, maybe it's a bottle of French wine, maybe it's a bottle of Italian wine, you're walking into an American-owned retail store, and they're required to buy their products from a U.S. distributor. That distributor is buying probably from a U.S. importer who's then buying from the manufacturer. So what it means from an economic perspective is that for every billion dollars worth of damage you do to the EU with wine tariffs, you do a little little over $4 billion worth of damage to U.S.-owned companies. So that's the problem with putting tariffs on wine. And by the way, it also means that tariffs on wine are really unlikely to influence the EU to change their behavior on Airbus because the EU's got a bunch of smart people in it. They completely understand that the tariffs on wine are backfiring. They understand that they're doing a lot more economic harm to small businesses in the U.S. than they are to, to those in the EU. And, you know, 
quite frankly, I, I, there are a lot of products the USTR could tariff that would see a lot more of that damage done in the EU. And so I think, you know, quite frankly, the EU is glad that they haven't hit them so hard in some of their more sensitive products. What would be a sensitive product? Well, sensitive to well, me for sure. We talked one time with um, last time when the 100% tariff was on the table, which I don't think that's completely gone, is it? No, as a matter of fact, you know, the, the comment portal that's open right now, uh, it's asking the question on all of the tariffs around the WTO large civil aircraft issue. And they're asking, what should we do? Should we raise the tariff? Should we carousel certain tariffs off and change to different products? Should we lower tariffs? And the reasons why... You know, they want to know, do certain tariffs disproportionately harm American businesses? Do we think certain tariffs are more likely to be effective at influencing the EU to change their behavior? But, for instance, one of the actions they could certainly take right now is to increase all of the current tariffs on wine, both in size and in scope. They could change them from 25 percent to 100 percent if they so chose, and they could certainly expand the scope of the tariffs from the current range of products, which is essentially most still wine, you know, under 14% alcohol from France, Germany, Spain, and the UK. And then they've also sort of scrapped out larger format bottles. But they could expand that to include, as you said, sparkling wine from France and sparkling wine from Spain. They could include it to all wine over 14% alcohol. They could, they could add Italy. So they could they have it within their power to do all of those things right now. And right now they're asking for the public, both businesses and consumers, to comment through the USTR side on what they what you think they should do. And you have essentially until July twenty sixth to get your comments in and by August twelfth they should they will likely uh, release their uh, their decision. July 26th is my birthday, so that's very easy for me to remember. Um, but when we talked with the um, economist last time, and that was when we were looking at that 100% uh, champagne tariff is what it was kind of uh -huh. being called, um, he said that a lot of times they'll make these tariffs target certain things that they know will cause that industry to make a lot of noise to their leaders to acquiesce to whatever demands are not being met and the reason the tariffs came into play in the first place. Does that make sense? Like they'll attack Absolutely. champagne because they know that Vuve Clicquot and LMVH has a lot of power and clout with politicians in France, for example, and would be able to, you know, start, you know, calling up their, I don't know about representatives, I don't know exactly how the government works there, but calling up Macron and saying, excuse me, yeah, we need to work with these people about this and that one was more about um, privacy and uh, uh, social media and electronic stuff. Right. About yeah, that was yeah. The, digital, the digital services tax. That right. was it, yeah. yes. So, yeah. yeah, so they put a tax on digital services, and then our response was, well, we're going to do this. And so that the, 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 the political motivation for the weird products like cast iron enamel pans, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about those wonderful Le Croisette, mm. right? So I'm, I'm guessing that might be one of the private organizations that they were hoping to get irritated and get them to stand up. And anyway, so that was kind of part of the motivation for some of the tariffs that the economists that we were talking with, uh, he pointed out that that was some of the reasoning behind some of that. 
sure. Well, interestingly, Lake Rose is a great example because that is a – I believe their headquarters are in the United States. They are not owned by uh, an EU organization. Their enameled cast iron is made in France because the only place in the world that they have the expertise to do really high-quality enameled cast iron is in France. Uh, the stuff that comes out of China can crack really easily. But the, mo- most of their employees are actually in South Carolina. And so, sorry, this is strange that I'm speaking about enameled cast iron, but (laughs) I did listen to their CEO speak about this subject at the International Trade Commission in January. But this is a perfect example. Uh, Tariffs on that product, we're going to do significantly more harm to uh, American jobs than any of those overseas. So sometimes they can get it wrong. Basically, you know, we can error in our thinking and sometimes walk into situations believing that the government is this all-knowing eye in the sky. Mm -hmm. They have a total understanding of both the macro and micro issues of of the way a business works. And what we're seeing here is that they really don't. And one of the problems with the USTR, and it's, it's not of their own making, but, you know, these, what they call the Section 301 tariffs, they're very new. It's an old law, but People have not been using them, this capacity for the USTR to unilaterally put tariffs in place. Generally, tariffs are something that's that's more controlled by Congress and the president. And the USTR is the smartest, or excuse me, is the smallest part of the executive branch. They do not have hundreds of economists on staff. That's Treasury and that's Commerce. So we think that they have the manpower to understand this wide range of industries, and they really don't. And listening to the Crusade uh, representative uh, explain, look, tariffs on these are going to collapse uh, an industry in South Carolina is something USTR didn't understand. Mm. Just like with the wine tariffs, they didn't understand that you're legitimately causing four times the damage in the United States that you than you are on Europe when you put tariffs on imported wine in. It's a tremendous problem. So that's one of the things that, you know, that's why it's so important for people to contact the USTR, and it's why it's so important for people to contact also, I would say, their representatives in Congress, because they can also tell the USTR, hey, wait a minute, we understand you guys are swamped and you're trying to do a good job on Airbus, but you've got it wrong. You're doing a lot more damage to mostly small American businesses than you are to your targets overseas. You've got to find something more effective to influence the EU and stop killing American industry. And that's how you say you think we should we should uh, voice our opinion, something to that. I mean, because you just stated it perfectly. And, I w- and I'm going to go back and I want to try to write that down and, <laughs> and, and write that. But is that kind of the way you would like to see us uh, and people respond and, and comment? Absolutely right. And, and the, act, the actual questions that the USTR is asking in this comment portal, it, that's what they want to know. Do these tariffs potentially do more damage to U.S. businesses, particularly small and medium businesses? They also want to know if, if, if it's likely that these, the tariffs on these products are going to be able to influence the EU to change their behavior with respect to the Airbus tariffs or excuse me, the illegal subsidies to Airbus. And so this is when they really need help. They need American consumers to reach out. They need Congress 
to help them understand some of these issues because, again, they're a very small part of the executive branch. They don't have loads of manpower to be masters of every piece of subject matter out there. They, they really need help, and this is where we have to let them know how damaging these things are. Is I'd also point out that you may have noticed that uh, we're in a bit of a uh, a bit of a crisis here mm. in 2020. Mm-hmm. With you don't COVID-19. say. <laughs> you, you may not have noticed. I, I know things are sunny down there in Florida. But, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it has been an absolute disaster for, the, for well, all of America, but in, in particular – the hospitality and restaurant industry. Yeah. It's it's probably the biggest crisis of our lifetime for a whole swath of industries. But putting tariffs on wine is one of the things that is like a shot to the gut for the restaurant industry. Because as you all know, the restaurant business is extraordinarily difficult, even in the best of times. Well, it's kind it's, of a hard thing know, to break down for people that aren't in the trade. Um, Gina and I have both worked in the wine industry, so we get what all the different layers are. But can you break it down for us real quick? Say I order a container of uh, La Spinetta Moscato because, yum. Not that I'm a big (laughs) Moscato nut, but La Spinetta, that one's off the charts. That is good. Um, Sorry. So if I order a container of that, which would be the container I might choose, um, well, I'd probably mix it up. That's a lot of Moscato. That would be a lot. I'd probably have to mix it up. I would get more than just that. But anyway, so if I'm I coming a, to your house for that party. Seriously, I would just fill up my pool in the backyard with Ooh. it. Um, anyway, uh, so sorry, I digress. <laughs> but if I were to order a container and I bring it, it's on the water and this tariff goes into effect, what happens? It has to come to an importer. Who pays that tariff when it gets here? So the tariff is going to be paid. It's going to be taken from the importer's account within 10 days. They, you don't write a check. They don't send you a bill. You, you've, you've already, if you're a U.S. importer, you've set up your bank account, and they just withdraw it 10 Jeez. days after your goods sent. So I hope the cash for it. Mm. And, a, and a reminder, one of the other ways that you know the wine industry is so affected by, by this, this is a, a really problematic cash industry, right? That mm-hmm. importer, they haven't sold the products yet. The distributors haven't sold the products yet. They can't collect it. In a lot of states, you're not even allowed to collect the money from, you know, your final customer, your retailer, your restaurant, until 30 days after you've delivered it. So they've paid for the product, and they have not yet been paid themselves. Well, that's and weird. And they've got to pay the 25% tariff on top of it. So the importer will pay the tariff, and now they've got to, they'll sell it to the distributor. And the distributor will eventually sell it to the retailer or restaurant who will then sell it to the consumer. I can't believe that you have 30 days to pay. It's amazing. Oh, 10. Here we only have 10 to pay. There you've got 10 to pay. Well, it varies in state to state. But most in most states, at the very least, you can't sell it until you or you can't collect payment until you've delivered it. So it creates a huge cash flow issue for importers, right? Especially if you're trying to bring in, say, a quarter's worth of products. The other thing to remember is most of these companies, the vast majority, are really small mom-and-pop businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's American entrepreneurship, right? Somebody has a passion for something, and they try to find a way to make a living at it. Yeah, because nobody's and getting rich in the wine fact. business. <laughs> no. 
You talk to any winemaker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a labor of love, really. Mm -hmm. But these are really small businesses, and you know they don't have the type of overhead. They don't have the type of cash flow that allows them to take a huge hit uh, on something like this. And I point out once again that somehow the tariffs on Airbus itself, the recipient of these illegal subsidies, are only fifteen percent. It's incredible that they have these massive twenty five percent tariffs on products that really see most of the damage hurting small mom-and-pop U.S. businesses. A huge disparity. Massive. So what can we do, and everybody listening, tell us where to go once again, break it down so everybody listening right now can take a moment and log on to this site and leave their comment. The thing I'd say is if you're interested at all, you can go to the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance website, uswinetradealliance.org. We'll have all of the latest information about the tariffs, both the current WTO tariffs and in the instance that the digital services tax uh, tariffs come about that you've, been, that you've mentioned earlier, we'll have all of the information about that. We'll also have mechanisms such that you can easily comment on the USTR website and contact your representatives in Congress. If you'd like to reach out directly, the USTR website, that's the uh, Office of the U.S. Trade Representative, they'll have a link to comment on the WTO issue. And the current comment portal, again, is going to be on the World, the World Trade Organization award on the large civil aircraft case. I will say, since you mentioned digital services tax, there is a comment portal open on the DSP issue, but there are no proposed tariffs on that issue yet. There's a new investigation that's currently in process investigating DSTs from Italy, Spain, Austria, and another, a number of other countries. But that investigation has not yet concluded. So at this point, there aren't any proposed retaliatory tariffs to comment on. The comment portal on that is really asking, do you think these are discriminatory against the U.S.? Hmm. So for the purpose of wine tariffs right now, the appropriate comment portal is on the WTO large civil aircraft case. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's more pressing right now. Okay. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And we'll put all of this in our social media posts as well for everybody. But uh, thank you, Ben, for being with us and explaining that because it can get complicated. And and we want people to understand it's more than a selfish reason for uh, drinking wine at home. This really has a price is reasonable, right? <laughs> yeah. But it does affect the smaller small businesses. So it, it's, really it is a bigger picture item here with wine. That's absolutely right. And just remember that, you know, it's not only the wine business, it's not only your local retailers, your local distributors, your local importers, but wine sales are a really critical part of the business model of loads of restaurants. And so right now, as restaurants are really trying to pick themselves off the, off the map from this devastating crisis, the last thing they need is one of their critical profit centers ripped out from underneath them. That is true. It is already really tough. So, Ben, I want to thank you again for talking with us today. But we're going to wrap it on up. Yeah, Ben's the president again of the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan.
Grape Minds theme music presentes by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check grapeminds.org or call the Grape Line and ask a wine question that we will address on a future show. That number is 707-200-3632. Thanks for listening.